In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey. And Josh Knapp. Oh, right. And, and Dave Josh Brenner. And, and Dave, Dave Brenner. Brenner. What am I, by myself? <laughs> I, you know what? I'm used to the rollout of bitch. the preamble. The you pre- bitch when I, don't, when I don't let you say your name, and then I let you, go to let you say your name, and I hear silence. Crickets. Were yeah. You, were you speaking to me? <laughs> You know, like you're like sitting there. What am I gonna? What am I gonna I, wear tomorrow? I'm punch drunk from studying so much. Uh, and I thought right, you've got your you've got your rematch exam. I've got my rematch exam, up. and yeah. I have been testing myself against your infamous, your your infamous website. That's right. I I have a 99.9 percent pass rate of people that use my exams. Woohoo! So. And most people get at least an 85 or above. Now, how do you know? I'm making this shit up. What do you mean, how do I know? <laughs> no, I know. You know what? Honestly, I know because um, I've never had anyone tell me that they've failed. And I've only had people tell me they've gotten high 80s and, and 90s taking the test. Recently, about, I'm going to say, two months ago, I had one person tell me they failed. But they did follow it up with a with telling me that it wasn't my fault, it was their own fault for not, not studying more. Oh, so they were taking your test. So if you take your test and you, you're you nailing it, you're passing it, you know, with flying colors, right. then... What are you going to pass the real thing? I'm, I'm saying you're going to well, pass I, I did three, I did three it's years just, ago. You know, it's just a tool. That doesn't mean anything. It's a tool for people to, you know... Made by tools. Yeah. Well, it's just something to give somebody an edge if they need it, you know? Well, no, you know what? I mean, it really makes me kind of nuts, and we're, we're talking about this a little offline, because there are so if you take the National Registry, if you take the graduate's entrance exams, there are so many practice tests out there to sort of get you both in the mode and test your own, have you studied well enough? Have you studied your knowledge? And that's all this thing is, and I'm glad that you made it, but the truth is if you don't know this stuff, if you haven't gone through it, you're not going to do well on your test as well. So, and that's the thing with a lot of tests, I think, too, Josh, is it's, it's not, you know, people, oh, I've I got all these practice tests. I take this practice test, that practice test. They think they're going to pass. It's not just about that. There's a lot more involved when you take a test. You've got to know the content. You've got to know how it, how it applies. Um, and you also have to get over things like testing anxiety and, and preparing yourself yeah. for the exam itself. So it's not just, oh, I'm going to take a shitload of multiple choice questions and I'm guaranteed to pass. And some people can do that. There are people that can do that. But, you know, most people need a little something extra. Not for nothing. Not for nothing. But I find that. Hammering away at multiple choice when you're taking a multiple choice or hammering away at a test, you know, it reduces my test anxiety because it gets me in that thinking right. about, you know, analyzing the question 
and then deciding what the answer is, and then looking down below and seeing if that answer is there. And that's really the proper way. If you if you take a test, that's one of the test methods that you really have to you know know or or you should know is don't look and try to decide from a shopping list. Sort of have your mind made up. Yeah. Once you've read it, what the correct answer is, yep. and oh, then yeah. look for that. That's definitely a big thing. You read the question, answer the question you had before you even look at the look at the answers. Mm -hmm. You know, and all of this information is also available at the EMS boot camp um, session I did with Greg Freeze on exam taking and passing exams. You can find that emssco.com. Cool. So, David. As an instructor, I'm sure you get that sometimes too, right? You get people say, uh, you know, yes, there are any questions on, on the, the upcoming exam, and what do they say a lot of times? You have the, what's going to be on the test? Right, of course. I just you know. tell them the answers in advance. <laughs> and I tell them I already told them. Right, but yeah, that makes which is true, though. You did tell them, right? I did. You know, I was. if you didn't follow it up that way, Dave, I was going to say that just makes you a better professor because your stats go up. But now, you know, you just had to do that teacher thing, didn't you? Well, I gave you all the answers if you just paid attention and lecture. Well, I can't <laughs> learn them nothing. That's what I know. I present the material. I hope that they do a good job working with it. I, and you, you've been there. Do I ever stop people from asking me reasonable questions? Uh, no. A reasonable questions, even unreasonable questions, are definitely welcome in your classes. I can tell you that from first-hand experience. Ah, okay. Yes, I remember your class. <laughs> <laughs> we challenged you, didn't we? <laughs> that, that, was, that was good. It was good. It's good to be challenged. Yeah, yeah. No, it was all good. It was a good learning experience. I enjoyed it. I'd like to uh, do it again sometime. There you go. You can, you can come stop by. I'm doing one if you want to come by. I'm doing one uh, next month on Mondays and Wednesdays. It's free for you. I believe Everybody, everybody else has oh. oh, my God. Did you hear that? Well, Jim can come free too. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say I got to pay. No, you can free. Just, I'm, I... you'll just have to pay by taking the uh, transportation yeah. out. To... Wait, wait, all right. That's all right. Wait, 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 can I can I sell that seat? Yeah, no. Yeah, right. Exactly. I can't make it, but I'm going to sell my seat instead. Just tell them <laughs> that you you know just say you're me. There you go. That'll work. Give them your ID. Right. Hey, listen, I'm always thinking, it, you know, it's EMS. you got to have a racket going. you got to have something else going on. It's almost know? like the segue because <laughs> it's true. Well, that's the job of a co-host. I'm not sure if you were reading the fine print in the contract, Dave, but that's, that's the job. you gotta, you got to sort of feed in for those segues. A straight man. Uh, yeah. oh, I don't know about that. But yeah, not, not wow. all. Wow. I don't think we have a straight man on the show. Yeah. No, you know, the bourbon so, piece to that. But, you know, I kind of, I didn't want to, we, we talked about getting paid in EMS before on the show, and we've talked about, um, you know, why our salaries are so much less than, than you know, of course, always compared with nurses and and um, even get compared with uh, uh, firefighters and, and whatnot. But I'm, the question that I wanted to ask tonight to sort of, you know, cover a little bit too is, what is enough? You know, what is what is considered fair? Is it just being able to make a living? You know, living wages. You know, the the where you live the, to meet what you have to pay for. Um, you know, is it that's enough? Not, that's to, not like socialism. Yeah, 
you know, like, like what, like what, what is fair? What would somebody? You say you, if you ask somebody, okay, listen, I know you don't make enough as as an EMT or as a paramedic, but what would be fair to you on an hourly hourly wage to be to be made? I'm going to tell you, listen, when I when I worked in in, uh, in New York City and I was getting paid, you know, twenty five, twenty six dollars an hour, you know, to me, I thought that was fair. I didn't really have a complaint getting getting that pay at that time. Um, you know, other places that I've worked, uh, you know, New Jersey, upstate New York, and, and you know, I find that it, the, the pay is a little bit, is, is much less, you know. Um, and it's the same job. It's the, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, you know, uh, well, I'm sorry, was that a direct question to Dave? Because no, I... I'm just kind of putting it out there. Like, like yeah. I said, what, you know, if you, if you, pull, if you kind of um, polled a bunch of people what they thought was fair... What are people going to say? Oh, I want to get paid as much as a nurse, or oh, I want to get paid as much as uh, firefighters, or as much as a doctor. Hey, or hey, out in the Midwest, they're taking jobs at fast food restaurants because they pay better than EMS. That I think is the ultimate freaking insult, quite honestly. Well, people, I guess people get forced to do that because they're, you know, that's they've insane. And ends meet. At what point do these skills, the risks that you have to take, both professionally and individually? Uh, add up to something that, you know, uh, do you want fries with that? Makes more money. Yeah. And I've got, nothing I, wrong, there's nothing wrong with selling fries. No. They're delicious. <laughs> well, especially if you're a, a thoracic surgeon. You know, selling fries, uh, you know, is a, is a good way to lead into uh, job security. Yeah, yeah. But you know, one thing gets thrown a lot, around a lot, and you know, they talk about uh, education being key to being able to demand higher salaries. You know that if uh, paramedics had associate's degrees or bachelor's degrees, that we would that the money would follow. That you can't put the money first; you have to put the education first, and then the money follows after that. You know, and I can agree with that, but but I I just feel that that in this day and age, you know, when you talk about people who are looking to make more money, um, a lot of people see EMS sometimes as a short-lived career choice. That if they go to school for an associate's degree or or a bachelor's degree, they're going to focus on something like nursing or something like a PA, where they know when they get out, they're going to automatically qualify for the higher pay. They're not going to wait around for an industry to turn around and catch up to them to start giving them more money. You know, to say a degree equals more money is one of those applied logic um, answers, right? I mean, everything in, almost everything in society, if you have a college degree, it sort of dictates that you're worth more somewhere along the line. The question that I have is, would it necessarily translate to EMS because of our stature of who we really exist in the field? We're still sort of considered lower than nurses. And, and, and that irritates me to no end. And I've had this conversation with Dave a couple of times, and Dave put it very eloquently when he said, you know, we really don't compare to nurses in, in a lot of respects because we do far more. And, you know, so at what point do you take that and say, okay, I'm going to combine that with education and actually get to uh, ring a register? 
that's just out there. It is. It is but, you know, the, the reverse is true. Go with the reverse. How much, right. do you want, how much do you want to pay? And, and people need not take this the wrong way. How much do you want to pay people where the minimum education standard is a high school diploma or GED, which are equivalent? Right, and this is why, you know, and, and again, this is why the argument is that if you had more education that you would command a higher salary. But, and, and I, again, I can agree with that, but my thing is, is I don't feel that agencies are going to say, okay, great, well, well, I can't wait to pay all my paramedics more money to do the same job that they've been doing. You know, I can't wait to do that because they have a college degree now, but they're gonna, it's the same intubation, it's the same IV, it's the same drugs, everything is the same, you know. Because um, you're asking the entire profession to take on, you know, a higher financial burden to hire people for more money because they went out and got this education. And I, and, and I think that it should, but I just don't see it happening. I don't see... You know, especially with nowadays, but when you have the mentality of, you know, just having butts in the seat type thing, you know, they, they, people are not as concerned as, as sometimes with the quality of the person they're getting, you know, as, as they are just keeping ambulances in service. Hmm. Well, I don't. I don't think we should be fearful that if we get our associate's degrees and bachelor's degrees, mm -hmm. that we won't get the raise. I think that will. That only perpetrates a, yeah. a, a field that's going to have a high school diploma. And I think you're right with that, Dave. I think I think you're right. It, it does sort of keep enabling the cycle that we have going on. But we're not getting past it because we're not taking on that responsibility of of getting the making it a, a degree program, to making it a degree to be a paramedic. Um, you know, so we kind of and like we said in the show, we end up kind of owning that that mentality we, we we're not willing to to take that step you know to say okay you know what this is what it's going to be from now on everybody has to have at least an associate's degree and you know that's the entry level you know it will narrow the field yeah once you narrow the field right you have a supply and, this, and demand issue right and this is what uh yeah uh, but i think you know uh, just answering that one point before you go on jim I, I, do you really have a supply and demand issue? Because what what happens? I think well, but I think I, I think there is even now. I mean, you know, you're always seeing open slots. You're you know, uh, there's always um, we we sort of have that churn. You know, I don't that, know why that, that is? Because I do see that where there's there always seems to be a shortage of, of paramedics, but because of the burnout, I think a lot of people think that's what also. It is. You think, or, I mean, the paramedic classes are, are, are full. They're not struggling to get students. They're churning them out. You know, what, you know why there are empty slots? I, I discovered this back in the, in the 90s when I was interested, in, just interested actually in doing per diem. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm not going to make any more friends saying this. Is I would go around and, uh, and I would visit, I'm not even going to mention the hospitals, New York City hospitals uh, providing ambulance services. Right. And I would go and meet with them, and I would tell them who I am. I, I would tell them that I had uh, that I was doing ALS since 1979. Became a paramedic. Whenever I became a paramedic, I told them 
I did really well. I had I come with a with a load of credentials, all the instructor credentials, and maybe sometimes that works against you. And, and indeed, I even have um, I even have I have degrees that people you know can say, hey, this is really, I have a I have a master. You're a freaking college professor for crying out loud. Yes, yes, and I, I didn't I've never said that that I'm a freaking college professor. Well, uh, yeah, well, I'm That's, saying it here, you yeah. know. I mean, I wouldn't be afraid of losing friends, you know, by being on this show and sharing your opinion. You're going to alienate people. Well, wait, people. wait till you understand why I'm going to lose friends. Is <laughs> because this is how it works. If you walk into the uh, the the human res, it's not even human resources. It's the guy who's the paramedic in charge, who's in charge of hiring people. Because often it wasn't even being run through human resources. If you walk in there, they say yes, leave a resume. If you're lucky, you get to speak to them. I, I would leave a resume. Somebody else says, I can't come in or, or I'm leaving. I'm moving to Tennessee. And the next person who walks in says, I'm a paramedic. Here's my credential. We need you. There was n nobody ever called me back. I'm going to tell you that, uh, not that I never got jobs, but they didn't call back. When there were openings, the next person in the door got hired or or, you know, Mike's cousin or Mike's, you know, yeah. fiancé. That's or, true, though. I've seen that happen. I, was, I mean, I was, I was a supervisor, and I, I remember seeing that go on. Whatever, whatever openings you say are there, I can give you three or four paramedics looking to fill the jobs. Because I see them. I know when they graduate. I know they're looking for jobs. I know they're desperate to work. They would be happy to be per diems. They just want to get – they just want to start building their paramedic resume, and they ain't <laughs> They are using nowadays more of the the I, I've seen this now too. A lot of the paramedic um, schools now they offer job placement after graduation. Absolutely, you know, uh, and it might it might just be for a dean job or something like that. But they they try to make it so that they can get these students a job doing it, so they can get their feet wet and and start doing what they've studied and trained for for the year, year and a half, or whatever it might be. Listen, you know I'm affiliated with uh, with a couple of colleges, LaGuardia Community College, which has a pretty uh, pretty long running, long standing program, mm -hmm. and they offer job fairs. They bring in the, the the top employers in New York City. They bring in Fidney. Fidney comes down. It's terrific that they do that. The students get to talk to the Fidney rep. We got North Shore Lij comes down. Senior Care, Trans Care. We inv we invite every hiring agency. In the city, we even get the VACs sometimes to come down and talk to because you can start to build your resume by saying I'm I'm a volunteer, mm -hmm. and and we have all of the students and all of the alumni are welcome to come down, hand in their resumes, meet with the reps, talk to them. What do you want? And yet, yet I know people who I know people who were at the top of their classes, and they're not getting in. And and maybe there's something I don't know that's going on in the interviews. But I know plenty of medics that would like to get on. Anybody who's having a hard time finding people to be medics, you call. You, you start out by calling the paramedic program coordinator or the director of the paramedic program at LaGuardia Community College. We'll get you people to come down for interviews. We'll be able to tell you how good they were if you need references. And I'm yeah. sure it's not just it's just not LaGuardia. You, you go to all. I don't want to. I don't want to just be one-sided. You go to St. John's. You go to Maimonides. You go to anybody else running a program. North Shore Lij, um, Suffolk County Community College. You go to any of the places. I'm, I'm sure Nassau also. There, uh, that's North Shore Lij is running it, and I think there might be some municipally run one there as well. Anybody's running a program. Westchester Community College, Rockland Community College. Go talk to those guys. 
They'll give you names. They'll send you students and, and people looking for either to get employed or for more employment. So the, the shortages, I think, are, are just a result of people not going out and saying, we need people to come in. We'll hire you. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm on these lists for employment. And I'm going to tell you that New Jersey is looking all over the place. They got, they're advertising all over to get paramedics. All over. You Could not, you be any less passionate about this, Dave? Oh. <laughs> no, but I think Dave makes a good point, though, Josh, because I, I, I don't point. see, I don't see, you know, a lot of um, employers that do that. They don't go out and approach the um, the school. Whether that's because they're looking for someone who's got some experience before they hire them, um, you know, or they or they rather do it the old-fashioned way, like Dave was saying, and you know, sort of the first guy that walks in gets the nod, you know, gets the, the opportunity. I'm going to give you a different perspective on it. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, that's ah. what I'm here for, right? Um, I, I, when I was in college uh, one or two years ago, you know, like last uh, three or four years ago now. Right. right? Yeah. Um, I needed a part-time job because I was sort of paying my own way and student loans and things wouldn't, you know, only go so far. And I walked into town looking for a job, and there was a place. And here's a warning for you. If you ever saw, find a just a blank help wanted, you know, like plastic sign stapled to the front of the building or to the lamppost in front of the building, and it's real faded, ah. it's a warning. It means it's been out there a lot. And basically, this place had one help wanted sign in front. People came in. And they 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 started you at a low at a low wage, kept you worked you hard, you know, and chewed you up and spit you out. And that was their attitude, you know. Here's a job. It's lousy conditions and it's low pay. If you want it, take it. If not, there's somebody right behind you who's going to. And and I think that there's a part of us that that you know there's a part of EMS that sort of looks at us as. You know, how many times have you referenced somebody in this in this world as just being a warm body in the seat? That does happen. You know, can you fog a mirror? You got the job. Mm. You know, your card is just as good as anybody else's card. You may have had 30 years experience, but the guy that just passed, yeah, you know, has the same patch you do. And I don't think we distinguish enough on, on that level. But Dave, brought, Dave mentioned before about the supply and demand thing, you know, about how if you'll have less people, um, you know, uh, uh, available for the jobs, which will make the employers pay more, you know, if, if they're the ones that are getting college degrees and um, then looking for, for a job. And actually, Skip, Skip Kirkwood talked about this uh, in, in a thread that was going on on Facebook and um, you know, I sort of got into it a little bit back and forth with him because it's, it's, it's not that I disagree with what he was saying. I just feel that there's a reality that kind of goes along with that, you know, and I feel that, that you know, for most people and people that I've talked to, you know, not looking at stats and numbers and graphs and pie charts and everything, but actual people, none of them have the motivation to go and get a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree to get paid you know, $12 an hour, $13 an hour, you know, they don't see the payoff for it. So it's, it's almost like who's, who has to 
um, spearhead this, you know, to say that this is the way it's going to be. I, I think it sort of has to be almost like a, a, a mandate. You can't, I don't think you can expect individuals to, to do it. I think it has to almost be a mandate that says, you know, this is what's required and this is the pay. And, and again, not, you know, asking what is the fair amount, um, I guess it would depend, you know, where you go state by state and, and, and cost of living and all that, but it definitely would have to be more than what it is now, you know. And even with supply and demand, too, you talk about things like uh, the recent the whole thing with Rural Metro going on strike because they were getting paid, you know, dog wages, you know, and because it's really, really sad. I mean, uh, but, what, you know what? But what happened? They, they end up getting raises. And they don't have college degrees, but they, they demanded a higher pay because, you know, they stuck together. And that's sort of that supply and demand, what you're saying right, before. Right, right, exactly. I mean, it's not exact, but it's sort of type of thing. But it's a, and when I'm saying stick together, it's like that's something we we just don't have. You can talk to ten different people about this topic. I don't think gonna, we're you're able gonna, to and stick you're gonna together. Get, you're going to get, get a different answer. I don't think we're able to stick together, Jim. I think that we're so fractured that, you know, it's difficult enough for you and me when, you know, when we were working in our respective areas to talk about protocols, to talk about jobs, because I'd look at you and say, well, why didn't you just do that? And you'd say, well, I have to call uh, online medical control, you know, before, yeah. you, before you, you know, blow your nose. I was about to say something else, but I'll keep it cleaner. Mm. No, it's true, though. It's so, I mean, and then we come around back to that circle, and I sort of hear that hmm from Dave, you know, because it's <laughs> that. I know what's, I know I can smell, I can smell the gears burning from here, Dave. You know, it's like we need sort of that one unified voice on a national level that's really going to represent us. But will we ever get that with the educational demands that we currently place on ourselves? And is it us placing those demands? I don't think, you know, I think that's an unfair statement. I don't think, you know, you if you ask many of the medics uh, uh, that, and we're talking about medics here because that's sort of the higher education that you, you, you need, um, but um, many of the medics that you know have already gone through some sort of college, you know, or done some higher level education because they sort of saw the need for it. So you're not going to get an argument from them. Well, I'm going to back up a drip, just a little drip. Um, Jim, I think you were saying that you think you need somebody to mandate it. Did you say that? Yeah, I I thought, yes, I, I think that it, it has to be to a point where this requirement of, of uh, a college degree to be a paramedic becomes a mandate so that People that are gonna gonna do it because it's mandated. It's what they want to do as a career. It's what their drive is to to do as a job. You know, they're gonna go and do it. But that mandate has to kind of go along the same sort of thing of having uh, that reward at the end of it. Jim, I would propose no one's gonna offer you the reward, and I would propose I need a reward. Yep. Yep. Well, maybe you'll go to heaven. Um, <laughs> I don't think going to happen. No, I don't think no, so. <laughs> no, no, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think, I think if we're waiting for somebody to mandate this, it's never going to happen, and it'll never happen the way we want it. That's a given. 
if you're waiting for somebody to say, hey, fellas, ladies and gentlemen of the EMS trade, I figured out what you guys need. You guys need an education, and I'll get you more money. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It didn't happen to the nurses that but way. Let me, but let me it's not going to happen. But, but well, you know, what about this? I mean, National Registry mandated the National Registry mandated that you know uh, uh, anyone that 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 was eligible to take the National Registry exam had to be an accredited institution with the National Registry. Had to meet certain guidelines. Co-ops, yes. You know what I'm saying? And they gave everybody five years to get on board, and if you didn't, you didn't meet the, the credentialing uh, requirements within five years, then your students weren't able to take the National Registry. Right. You know? um, and I think some, some schools didn't do it because there was a, there was a cost behind it. There is know, a cost. To do that. Um, and because some schools that states don't require National Registry, they, the schools didn't feel it was financially you know, needed for them, but the National Registry ended up mandating this requirement. So why, why is it that it, that can't be done for, you know, along the same lines? I mean, it's more, it's more difficult, but... I, I would suggest that, you know, who made the National Registry? Did you make it? Did, I did wish. The Fed, did the Fed I wish I dreamed that up. No, for I wish profit, I dreamed that scam up. A for-profit company made the National Registry. Who, well, well, that's certainly who they are at this point. Uh, who made uh, NAMSI, National Association of EMS Instructors? Folks in the field made it, and they're, and they're coming out with guidelines and standards, and who's out there right now just re representing Jane and Joe Medic? Nobody. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to suggest this. We can watch what happens and then be subject to what happens, or we can make things happen the way we think they ought to be. Um, we can, we, if, if whoever we are, because we don't have a good we yet, but if, if we got a group of all of the, the paramedics, or at least a substantial number from Sydney, which I, which would be really hard, uh, Sydney, North Shore, Presby, uh, Transcare, and if they sat down, I've, you heard, I probably have said this before, with a state senator or a state assemblyman and say, listen, listen, we need to have EMS, to become a paramedic, nobody on, after, after December 31st, 2017, nobody in New York State becomes a paramedic who doesn't have an associate's degree. If you're already a paramedic in New York State, you can refresh for the next 3,000 years. You're in. You're grandparented in. But everybody else, whether they're coming from out of state, whether they're coming from out of the country, if they don't have an associate's degree in paramedicine, and this is what paramedicine is. It has anatomy and physiology. It's got some regular, uh, regular, um, what the city is calling pathways. Mm -hmm. um, everybody's got to take English 101, 102. They got to have some math. They got to have some social science, just like a nurse. We go to them and say, this is what we want to happen. We'll give people three or four years heads, heads up notice that this is what's going to happen. It's not hurting anybody in the field. We're already there. And, and this is the way we're going to move. Now, who's going to be upset with this? The standalone paramedic sponsorships, those that are doing it as part of the hospitals. Now, where did that already happen? That happened to nurses. Nurses, if you go back far enough, they left high school and they went to a, a hospital and they got trained to be a nurse by the hospitals. Right. And, and if you right. go back, enough right. years, being a nurse didn't make you enough money to live on. 
You know, no, there was no, you know, but there was more than that. I mean, there, the parallels are just out there and crazy. Uh, you know, there's there's a, 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 a being appreciated for the job you do, the amount of work that you had to do, the amount of hours beyond, you know, low pay forces one thing out of a job, that you have to work more hours to recover the same amount of money. But it also sort of checks your stature within the community. And when I talk, you know, like the professional community. So nurses, you know, it's kind of funny. Back in the day when nurses, you know, uh, weren't really appreciated and didn't really have stature, they were still feared by the medical students. And you got to wonder why. Because they knew what was going on. You know, many the wise doctor always looked to the nurse to really know what was going on with the patient. It wasn't until you know, something like 20 years ago that that started to change around and the medical community started looking to the nurses as a essential component in patient care. you think any of that had to do with more men going into nursing, just as I throw out a random thought? You know, I, I've heard that argument, I, I and I'm not sure... Yeah, I'm not sure I want to answer that, but I'm not no. sure I can answer that. I well, mean, you know, there could be, you know. There could be. Could, I'm not sure. But I will it, also tell you that they don't they don't go to a hospital anymore to get some training and become a nurse. They, they're they not just getting associate's degrees. They're getting bachelor's degrees. There are there are people out there who, who go over to the patient and say, hi, my name is, my name is Dr. Smith. I'm your nurse. Mm. There's doctorates in nursing. That's, you know, you that, know right? right? Yes, yes. So we we are standing by watching all of this stuff happen. But and we're, we're going to continue to argue that education needs to guarantee it. I don't know that it's going to guarantee it, but I can tell you where we've been for the last 30 years, and I don't see a change coming. I don't see anybody saying, hey, let's do this. Let's get ourselves associate degrees. Let's Let's get some literacy. I Listen, I know paramedics. I think the paramedic course is an extraordinary course. Extraordinary. I, I took it. I already had three graduate degrees. It was as hard as a graduate degree. But I also know paramedics that get through the course, and they're illiterate. They they can't, you know, you got to tell them asthma has six letters, not okay. four. And you've <laughs> never seen a graduate student get through a graduate course and be illiterate? I have. Okay. I have. So, I, even I mean, I... I I think what you said is a very profound and very strong statement that as an experienced uh, person in higher education, having gone through multiple degrees, you look at what is considered a certificate in almost anywhere in the country, and it is as tough as a graduate degree. Yes. Uh, you know, so certainly, so we have to stand back and ask ourselves, so what are we doing, giving away the cow? giving away the milk we uh, we are we are but it's not entirely everybody else's fault but i think that there's there's two ends to that and i and i just wonder if we were able to get convince everybody that you really need to go for a two-year associate's degree uh, on a voluntary basis let's say some miracle happened and everybody saw everybody suddenly became enlightened okay i don't think that there's still going to be people out there who didn't do that, and there's, and I think that the onus is, comes from the hiring institution. And where I was going with this is if you look nowadays, and there's, there's no payoff 
for for it with uh, in terms of an employment situation from a payroll perspective for nursing. But if you look at hospitals, many hospitals are going to requiring their nurses have a four-year degree. Yes. And you say, now why is that? Well, first of all, they can. <laughs> they can because they're paying good money, and all and and shortly and soon enough. They'll all have bachelor degrees. But doesn't that raise the amount that they have to pay for that? Or does that is the, are the two not connected? I have to pay you more if I hire you with a bachelor's degree than an associate degree, right? I, I don't know that it says that anywhere. If it doesn't say it in the contract, then perhaps it, it's not. So where's the payoff? Just because they can? I think that the requirement, I think that, I, I, I sort of think that demand for nurses is out there and is so strong that it's a seller's market, not a buyer's market. So the hospitals aren't in a position to say, oh, we require this because they, uh, they, they can demand anything. I think that they're requiring it because it raises their stature and they can actually um, get more for it and therefore you know, pay, they can pay more for it as well. The supply and demand on the nurses' end, the, the nurse programs are at 100% saturation for students. They don't have 90% of their seats full. When you apply to be a nurse in the, in, the, in the college, you get put on a list. And if you're not at the top of the list, I know, I know that they, they are taking the cream of the crop. They can take... If you have a 3.9 GPA, that may not be high enough to get into no, the no, I'm, yeah, No, I'm not talking about in terms of the schools. I'm talking about in terms of the jobs. There's still, you know, I remember I was in IT in the 90s. And in the 90s, when you were IT, there was, they, they used to call it negative, uh, it was a negative employment. Okay, yeah, it. But it was negative employment. I mean, it was such, and I, I was there from a hiring perspective and from an employee's perspective, that you could have an employee that you could fire or, or just say, you're not at my standards, and they would get a job tomorrow. And, and the reverse of that is also, you know, you could say, I've had enough of this. Stand up on your de uh, boss's desk and take a piss. And, and and go to work the next day if you wanted to because they couldn't do anything about it. They needed you. And in, in the nursing profession, it's not quite that bad, but, you know, it's, pretty, it's still pretty severe. They need nurses. They're hiring more than they can do anything else with. Huh. Listen, let me, um, guys, I want to I mention one thing be, uh, when we come back. So just kind of hold, hold that thought there. And I, something that I think is sort of a symptom of this whole um, problem. But let me let me play. I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, email manager. manager. Uh, they're sponsoring this episode, of course, and Thank I you. want to go ahead and play their sponsorship. And uh, so we'll take about a two minute or so break, and uh, we'll come right back. This episode of EMS Office Hours is sponsored by EMS Manager. They have been consistently helping EMS agencies save time and energy with their innovative web-based software for staff scheduling and management. They have a mobile web app that's accessible from smartphones and other mobile devices with an easy-to-use web interface that's viewable from anywhere on the World Wide Web. 
You can check your own schedule and managers and staff can both oversee, manage, and make changes to employee schedules from anywhere. Anthony Tucci, who is the Deputy Chief in Western Berks EMS, that's over in Reading, Pennsylvania, shares with us that his overtime has been cut by 50% since he started using EMS Manager a year ago. He says our overtime went from 4,000 hours to last year to 2,000 hours this year. And he says this has been a huge financial savings for his agency. And why not? EMS Manager is affordable. It's priced based on the size of an organization. And because it's web-based, your e-employee schedule and software is located over in the cloud. And that means that there's no additional IT costs that you've got to worry about. And then there's always free training. There's free tech support and free system software updates. So if you want to try this out for your system, go check it out. There's a free customizable trial of EMS Manager. You can get it at emsmanager.net. I want to thank EMS Manager for sponsoring EMS Office Hours and the other shows from the ProMed Network. EMS Manager is proud to support EMS providers and managers through this sponsorship, and they support what we do. Go show your support for them, guys. Take a few minutes and sign up. Go get a free trial at emsmanager.net. Show them that you appreciate their support by trying out the software. Visit emsmanager.net. It's a LADTEX EMS Manager. It's for online employee scheduling and workforce management. And don't forget, if you do try it out, make sure you tell them that you heard it here on EMS Office Out and that Jim and Josh sent you on over. This is paramedic Greg Freeze from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and Center Learn Solutions, the EMS Educast, and Everyday EMS Tips. You're listening to EMS Office Hours with my good friend Jim Hoffman. Enjoy. All right. Um, one thing, I, guys, I, I wanted to sort of mention, and I, I mentioned this in the show notes about the recent um, 2013 salary and workplace report that um, – Gems put out, um, but what I wanted to, to, to say is, if you go to that, if you go to that um, that page at Gems, there's no one commenting on it. Nobody commented. Nobody. What do you mean? On Gems, if you go to the Gems website, right, and you have the entire article, good article, you know, uh, Michael Green. Uh, wrote, wrote the article. Oh, I know where you're going with this. It's got nine likes, two tweets, you know, and it's been out since October, October 8th. Right. And it's like we're sitting here, people will sit back and bitch that they want more money, we deserve more money, and all this stuff, but nobody is giving opinion. Nobody is, is engaging in the discussion on uh, how we get to what we want to do. I mean, we're sitting here talking about, you know, some of the things and, and our opinions on it and, and how it, you know, uh, you know, everything from, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, legislature done or having, um, you know, organizations that, that are uh, uh, supporting us and, and, you know, education and, and schools and, and all that great stuff, right? But you can't even get an engagement going on in a well-known, popular website like Gems that gets, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of, of hits a day, a month, or whatever, you know, onto their website, you can't get people commenting on it there. 
much less a little podcast where we're just asking for some uh, iTunes likes. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's like, so how can we sit here and say, well, you know, we really should have, you know, more you know, money, and this is the answer, it's education, it's supply and demand, it's, you know, uh, uh, congressional um, support, and but you can't even get us as individuals to go and say, you know, engage in it and, and you know, start talking I, about it. I just put something up on my website, and uh, and I'm not going to say the place that it came from, not my website, my fan page. I'm not going to say the place it came from because I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me, but somebody put out this pro-trauma response bag, and... You know, it's supposed to be for EMS, by EMS, and all of that good stuff. And it doesn't have a stethoscope. It doesn't have a blood pressure cuff. And you could make arguments to that. But the thing has a tongue depressor. Uh, not a tongue depressor. A jaw um, a jaw stick. Remember bite those block. old plastic jaw stick? Yep. A bite block. Right. I, I, I just, you know, I, you know, I pointed that out sort of humorously. But the truth of the matter is, is I look at stuff like that as clues that are indicative of a much larger problem. And I do. I do the same thing. And I, I find that constantly. I mean, everything from, you know, you know my, one of my pet peeves, Josh, is, is looking at photographs of uh, big MCIs and seeing these EMS people running around in shorts and flip-flops trying to be taken seriously as being professionals, you know. Um, I mean, everything you see out there, it's, it's, it, you go back to, you know, and honestly, it, it's nauseating to have to say it every show, but this whole thing about how we own this type of thing. I'm going to patent that. You know, let me tell you something. You don't have to patent it, Josh. I was, I was actually listening to the uh, EMS Garage episode the other day, um, and uh, they, missed, they said that on that show. They said that we own what is going on here. They were talking about something um, which I think is which I think is uh, uh, even a topic we can pull up on this show. But just to mention it uh, tonight is they talked about the community paramedic paramedic program and community paramedics and give me and, a freaking headache. You know all, all all this you know with the community paramedics and it's uh, you know, another level for paramedics to get into and training and 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 some places that have started this program have found a lot of. Uh, benefit from it and benefits of the community and all this stuff. But now they were talking about how there's a group of doctors that are starting this thing called mobile, um, some kind of mobile medical intensive care or something like that. And they almost it's almost like the doctors came together and said, hey, these paramedics over here that don't get paid shit and that are, you know, just ass in the seat and don't get respected, are, start, are starting this great thing called community paramedicine. They're able to bill. They're doing great stuff for the community. You know, um, why don't we do it? We'll call it something different, and we'll staff it with nurses and do the same goddamn thing. Oh, I just got punched in the gut. And, you know, the, the uh, uh, Chris Montero, who's, who's the host of the show, He's sort of he's like the father of community paramedicine. He he developed this whole thing, and he was sitting there talking about how it's this big crawl in his in his throat that that this is going on, and how they're 
sort of doing this whole thing and kind of, you know, taking the model that he's he's done, that he set up, and now using it in a different way, you know, and using it to sort of circumvent the paramedic end of it, you know. So you all have to say to yourself, okay, well, here we are. We tried to do something to make a career path for, for paramedics, another level of training, um, more community service, because, you know, EMS – as you know, it's 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 beyond the emergency aspect of it, right? We do so much more than just emergency medical services, you know, and figured a way to sort of bring this to the community and to make EMS more valuable and to and make us more of a profession and and now you have doctors come along and they instead of just supporting the community paramedic end of it, supporting that, they're gonna start something totally new and pretty much screw us out of that niche, you know, it, to, to and, and you know what I hear when I hear that type of complaint? It's freaking chicken squawking. And, and, and you know, to, just to clarify that, it's a bunch of chickens in the chicken coop squawking that their eggs are disappearing. What the, what do you freaking expect? Well, I, 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 I don't understand why you can sit there and complain about it because there is no community paramedic. There are some areas that have this sort of paramedic. Yeah, but Josh, it's been growing though. That, no. That's been that's been going. It, it it started out with one or two areas, and more and more places doing it. Actually, the place that I, that that I I work for is talking about doing it, um, seeing the value. What's the visiting nurses doing about that? Well, that's Where, the thing. Yeah, I don't understand the differentiation between a visiting nurse and a and a community paramedic. And I think that's why yeah. the doctors are... are, are I know the not, difference. What know. difference? The difference is when you send the, the visiting nurse, you're paying the nurse to go there. When you're sending the community paramedic, they're already on the job. They're between gigs. They're between assignments. And they're going on the time that they're already there. It's on their downtime. Right. So we're getting free labor? Not free. It's just no, it's we're, not, free. we're not earning money while we're sleeping. Right. Uh, you know, it's not EMS earn money sleeping. It's it's work all day. Work your entire shift. Dave, some places though do have it where it's it's a, it's a um um a role that's being played. Now, they they send them out and fly cars and and so Jim. Things. So Jim, what I hear you saying is that everybody gets an associate's in paramedicine, and then as they go on to their bachelor's, they get a bachelor's as a in paramedicine with a specialty in community medicine or critical care medicine, or flight medicine, or med medicine right. mat or pre pre Right, and this is something that was brought up. Right, right, and this is something that was brought up, how, you know, EMS and the community paramedic is just something, just like a flight medic, just like, you know, um, a, a, a CC medic. You know, it's another level that required more education, more training um, to reach, you know, to get that, that certification, to get it that... That. It needs to be in academia. All of that needs to be in academia. Well, I know the community paramedic program, looking at the, the outline for it, I know that they have um, a whole thing that, that part of it is, is to get the local colleges on board to teach the curriculum for community paramedicine. Yeah, that only works if, the actual, if you actually have to go to college to become a paramedic. Oh, yes. Right, and that's, that's the thing. And, 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 and you're right, that's, that's probably the... You know, I, I know people who have who have become 
department directors and supervisors. They started out in EMS, they became a, quote, supervisor. Then they moved to a desk job where maybe they went out once or twice a month on the ambulance. And now they're running not only the, the, um, the EMS division, but they're running part of the emergency room. And while that's terrific, they only have high school diplomas. I don't think they, they, they're getting paid more than paramedics, but I don't think they're getting paid what their colleagues who are, who are department chairmen are, are getting either. Yeah. I, I, and, and really, well, think about that nobody would look at them. How did you learn this? Well, why did I bother going to college to learn any of this stuff? You know, I, and I, I look at some of the advertisements for nurse educators. Well, the flip side is, uh, Dave, is that they're doing a job for less. And the second you do a job for less, you create a, a downward pressure on the entire profession. Yes, perhaps. Well, I, I mean, I, how many how many EMS directors and EMS managers do you know that make just as much as the field medic that that's working under them? Well, they're I not making that all that much. I know some of them that are doing it, but they have master's degrees as well. I, I could I'm not going to name names, but I can I can name names because I know who they are. They're paramedics. Some of them were my instructors. They're in charge of uh, emergency departments in the hospital, but they have graduate degrees. They got the graduate degrees in public health. They got graduate degrees in um, health administration. They they walk the walk, and they're talking the talk, and they have the respect of their colleagues, right. and they're running they're running the paramedics as well. But um, I just keep saying we we need that. I, they, I it's the, it's the wall that I'm going to run into. Uh, I, think listen, I, I, I think that we're in agreement that the education is, is a key to, to more, you know, the highest salaries and to um, even, like Josh mentioned, getting respect of, of other healthcare professions. And, and well, when you have an academic, an academic based uh, profession, I think that your your qualifications uh, in academia count in terms of the respect that you get in the field. Uh, you know, I, I don't see how it can't. It does. Yeah, I think uh, Dave makes a good every point. Other I, think, I, think, I think Dave makes a good point, too. I think what has to happen is that we've got to sort of bite that bullet and say, okay, this is it. By this date, you know, all paramedics are, are, are going to be a minimum of associate's degree. Um, and I would even take it as far as the, the medics, you know, as far as the medics that are already out there getting grandfathered in, I think there should even be some sort of a tier going on to, uh, you know, ha be mandated to have a certain amount of continued education, depending yeah, upon how many years you've been in we? the field. Who's, who's we? Because you I and Dave. What do you mean, who's we? No, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I don't think that, I don't think until there's a compelling, compelling reason by the employer that it will ever amount to anything more than and, and that's why I go back to what I was saying earlier that it, the employers have to step up as well. It that's, can't just be the colleges or the. Or so, the, what's the motivation for them to pay more? Well, you know, I understand the idea that they're getting more because they're getting a, a college-educated, uh, you know, person. But what's I think that honestly, it's going to have to come back down back to the employers that it'll cost them more on the back end if they don't have a higher qualified employee because somewhere around the corner will be litigation that says, hey, did you put the best person in that uh, right. slot that you can? 
right? And maybe that's the motivation then. You know, I mean, how many employers do you know they, they are so afraid of litigation for everything from, you know, when you don't board and collar a patient, you know, from, from a bullshit car accident, you know what I mean? Um, you know, they're, they're just so afraid of being sued to begin with. So maybe that's the motivation for employers to, you know, to step up and, and want to hire the people with the college educations. But again, if you're mandating it, that's all that's going to be left. Eventually, it's going to filter through, and that's all that's going to be left is going to be the people that have the education. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Uh, and we'll be, uh, Go ahead. <laughs> I, and I, I think once we have the education, once we, we are who we are, we are an established, and then, of course, along with that should be able to come licensure instead of uh, certification. Yeah. Once we have all of that, we're in a better position to negotiate. Mm. And, and quite frankly, that's what they want on the national level. They want us doing this. You know, if, you, if you're asking what um, COAMPS wants, the, uh, the, that organization that's credentialing, the, giving the national credential, mm-hmm. they, want, they want college-based degrees. So that, maybe the final push, actually, Dave, will come from the educational institutions who will say, listen, you know, we want to put these people out there because we can build, we can sort of make more by putting out higher-degreed individuals, but it helps everybody. It, I mean, it, could that be a crazy push coming actually from the places that, that we mill out people? All the colleges want to do that. That's what we do. That's what colleges do. I am telling you it needs to come from us. It either comes from us and we make things happen or it comes from somebody else and they make things happen to us. Now we'll complain well, I about. Think they are. I think they are making things happen to us right now by well, just requiring right. certification. The, uh, the 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 thing that we keep on going round and round in is how do we get them to require a higher level of education? We require we we do what other people did. When you want something done that needs to be mandated by law, you get yourself assemblymen and legislators who will support you, who understand that you will vote for them if they support your cause. This is our We're not voting for you. You don't want to support this. We're not voting for you. And if there's only, if there's only 15 of us, they're not going to listen. If we're 20,000 strong in the downstate area, they're going to listen. I don't know what else to say. I mean, if you want this to happen, it can happen. It can happen in a year. You can get this passed easily in a year if you start getting people in our field. They don't need to have associate's degrees. They simply need to be paramedics saying, yeah, we want this. And by the way, those of us who don't have associate degrees, you can get associate degrees without a, without a whole lot of time. When I say not a whole lot of time, uh, the paramedic degree itself at, at like Suffolk, uh, not at Suffolk, excuse me, at LaGuardia Community College, if you're a paramedic, when when the program is up and running full steam, you can come in with 36 credits for a 60-credit program. You need to come in and take anatomy and physiology. You need to take a little basic math. You take English. You take uh, urban studies and uh, and a sociology class, and you'll get your degree. You won't have to take a paramedic course because you know why? You are a paramedic. Right. So, so we, we give, we, it's not me, you understand. So yeah. uh, LaGuardia gives advanced standing for paramedics you know, who are already in practice. You have your paramedic. And I was one of the guys doing it, you know. They would come in, I'd say, show me your paramedic card. I'd say, great. 
this is where you are in the program. You've got 36 credits behind you. We gave you credit, 30 credits for paramedics, 6 credits for EMT. You need to take these English classes, these anatomy and physiology, two of them. And by the way, the A&P classes, they were encapsulated in your paramedic program. You, you have a terrific head start out of anybody else going in for these A&P classes. Sure. And, and the math? Listen, a paramedic who can't do math probably shouldn't be doing paramedic. If you, it, it, we're not talking about differential calculus. We're talking about algebra-level math because it's drip rates, it's concentrations, it's what we do. If we can't do that right, we shouldn't be paramedics. So I'm just saying. Just There's saying. an app for that. There is an app for that. Even better than that, <laughs> even better than that is when the apps fail, you can figure it out yourself. Yeah, but, the truth uh, is, you know, uh, in any math class, you're really not supposed to use a calculator until you know the underlying uh, underlying procedures. And if you're interested in, in medical math, then go to emssco.com. You can take the medical math uh, webinar a by good one. Ferris. And, Very uh, worth it. Yes, and you can go there and take that webcast. It's about two hours of how to do medical math in your walkways. Say, say that website again? emssco.com. E-M-S-S-E-O.com. Right. You got it. So, um, guys, when, when we wrap it up there, we, we, we're hitting the hour mark. Um, the one thing I do want to mention is, uh, you know, last week we had a little of, a, of a, a segment during the show about being able to do temperatures. Huh. Yes. And I sent out an email to my list um, of about, I got about 10,000 people on my mailing list. And I said, listen, I said, why is it that we can't? Why is it so difficult? You know, and I put it out there to them and asked them if they can do it where they are. And I got a lot of great feedback from people that say that they actually can do temperatures in their protocols. Because they've had special training in it. Um, not that they said. I mean, some of it was, uh, talk about Utah, it was one of the states uh, that was doing it. And it's funny because some of them said, and it's funny because they say, okay, uh, we're able to do temperatures, but there's other things that you guys do in New York that we still aren't doing in, in, in Utah. From a, from a diagnostic perspective? Yeah. Like yeah. what? They didn't give me a, an exact example. I don't have the emails up in front of me, so I can't read verbatim what they you know, said. If it, if, I just wanted to say you know, that, that it, it's, not, it's not something that, that isn't already proven that EMS can do. That we're doing, that's being done in other locations. So why isn't it being done in every location? That it's goes not for in every curriculum. It's not in the curriculum. Yeah. Why isn't it in the curriculum is a good question. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. You know, we were doing temperatures for a little while, Dave, and I don't think it was as part of any study. It was equipment uh, on the ambulance. The trouble is, is that the equipment didn't hold up to the abuse that it gets in the field, and it just wasn't replaced. I don't think it had anything to do with training or anything else, uh, you know. But I think there has to be some type of training I mean, with it because yeah. some of the people that sent me emails, Josh, they talked about how certain protocols require, you know, they, they, they have to do it. And like we mentioned, you know, uh, seizures and sept potential septic patients, cardiac arrest patients, they mentioned about taking temperatures. Really? Um, yeah, and Clyde, which I thought was that's great, which was uh, was an interesting uh, um, you know comment. But they also said that you know, but they know people that will sit there, and because it's a tool available to them, they're trying to take a temperature on a gunshot wound victim. You know, 
So some people don't know when it's proper or, or you know, good form to use it, you know, and that the train, that type of training and understanding of when is a good time to take a temperature, when it's valuable and whatnot, you know, uh, uh, comes into play. Um, you know, so I just thought, I just thought it was interesting, so a lot of the feedback that I got on that um, from other providers out there, uh, you know, that gave me that feedback, um, you know, when the, when they can do it, you know, and how long they've been doing it for and stuff like that. So I thought it was interesting. So I just wanted to kind of throw it out there to you guys, let you know that there are, you know, areas out there that, that, that are doing it, you know, um, and it's not something that's beyond, you know, our reach. You know, because like I said, other agencies are doing it in other, other locations. Listen, ISTATs are not beyond our reach. It's you are the ISTATs. Hey. You say you know? ISTAT, I look, I, I have a vision of, of you know. <laughs> uh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, How about Doppler? Wait, wait, wait. X-ray? Well, How about that. MRI? Listen, there is a company, there's a company that, that makes uh, mobile um, ultrasound for abdominal uh, you know, for abdominal patients, abdominal pain patients and stuff. Um, I was actually in contact with one of them a while back where they wanted to set it up with my agency for free to get us to use use the equipment um, to try to prove that, you know, it works, it's a valuable tool to use in the field. You know, um, that's a, you know, I, I don't, I know we're running the clock, and so yeah. I don't want to go too much longer but I think that this is a subject for another uh, show, is the equipment we use. Because I was just at a, a job the other night, and I saw a uh, competing ambulance service, and the guys and I were talking, and they had an electric, uh, they had a power a stretcher. Yeah. And it's like, you know, God, the, the, the manpower that would save. And they say, well, it's really sort of heavy, and I'm going... Yeah, but you don't have to really lift it. It's just that last part that gets to the yeah, but, yeah, but some Josh, some people and some some agencies out there, the systems they carry, they put the stretch, they bring the stretch into the house as much as possible. Okay, all right. And chair chair is like stair chair is like what is that thing? Let's wait. Wait a second. You know, and you know, as another part to uh, again, sort of leading into a whole other show. Dave just took the difficult airway course. Mm -hmm. Now, did they t did they use Dave in that course? Did they use the glidoscope? They showed us the glidoscope. Yes. And what was your impression of it? Oh, I I I saw the glidoscope when it first came out. I thought it was the uh, it was the bomb. It was awesome. Right. I think you know for ten thousand dollars. I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you, if I was working the streets, I'd buy what, one. What's the freaking cost of a missed tube? More than that. So in the end, you know, and why aren't we using them? Why aren't they? And, and, and forget about the GlideScope as that particular product. There are other products out there, and there's, you know, there's stuff that can stand up to the beating. You know? There are I mean, terrific alternatives. Save lives. Yeah. And if you go to TerraMedic.com, I just posted a video on advanced airway techniques where they actually use the GlideScope and burp maneuver and things cool. like that, and it is available to all members of TerraMedic, free and premium, TerraMedic.com. You're free plugs. <laughs> Listen, I can't help it if you guys are bringing up stuff that applies to what I have available to the masses. 
I'm trying to help here. All yeah, right. Yeah. All right. All right, listen, guys, let's end it there. I appreciate you showing up, Dave, as always. Uh, Dave, I'll get your um, uh, Facebook link and throw it up there so people can find you on Facebook. I know Josh posted have a great... have a lot of friends. Josh posted a great... Um, uh, 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 seminar you do on 12 leads on, on, on the, uh, the, our Facebook page at EMS Office Hours. Um, so. If you're in the New York area, this is a worthwhile seminar to go to. Yeah, so I, I like people to get, I like to get people listening, get them access to that. Um, and I, I'm actually thinking maybe I'll get, I, I, I'm gonna try to get some of the information, Dave, and I, I like to maybe send that out to my email list. A lot of my members are from the New York area, so maybe if they're interested, they'll jump on board for you. So go sure, ahead and, awesome. and do that. Um, so that's it, guys. Uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks, John, over in the chat room, and Tina, who was there, and she left. And um, we will see you all hopefully next week. Sounds good, John. Jim, yep. take care, yes, Dave. All right, on, guys. Everyone. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it for me. Um, as always, Jim Hoffman for EMS Office Hours. Stay safe.